NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. This year has been a struggle, um, but since we won the, the duel, um, we went into the Daytona 500 with really high hopes and a very fast race car and wrecked out early. And from that point forward, man, it has just been a battle. And so to, to battle and fight the way that we've fought, um, and sometimes literally fight um, and, and to just continue to grind it out and show up to the racetrack every week with a, with a new um, hope that we can go get the job done this week. And, and today we were able to do that. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get ready to transition into a couple of weeks of downtime, that transition happening after a NASCAR Cup Series trip to the New Hampshire Motor Speedway with a playoff shuffle. What we're talking about is Eric Almarola winning over the weekend at New Hampshire, basically shaking up the playoff grid, and one of the drivers affected by that is a driver that's going to stop by and chat about it. Tyler Reddick of Richard Childress Racing is barely inside playoff territory. He's going to stop by and chat about his playoff positioning, and his mindset for when we pick this up after the break at Watkins Glen, leaving us four races to go in the regular season. We mentioned the hiatus that we're about to embark upon off for the next two weeks. We're going to preview that with some of the drivers and what they're doing during their downtime. On the heels of the announcement that Trackhouse is buying Chip Ganassi Racing, we're going to take a look back at some of Chip Ganassi Racing's biggest moments in the sport, plus... Rudy Fugel, crew chief for William Byron at Hendrick Motorsports, is going to join us. We'll check in with Rudy and see where the 24 team is heading in to the break. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us this week? Mike, the speculation of the last few weeks on Brad Keselowski's future in the sport was made official today. As Roush Fenway Racing introduced Brad as not only their newest driver, but also their newest stakeholder in the team. 
Team owner Jack Roush calls Keselowski the perfect fit for his organization. He's ready for the next challenge, which is participating in the ownership of a team. I welcome him as a partner and look forward to what we can do together. I've uh, been asked to say that I'm passing my baton to him, which I am, but I still have one hand on the thing, so I'm not going to give up completely for a while. Brad Keselowski has been with Team Penske for the last 12 seasons, but believes now is a good time to reset at a time the sport is about to reset with the debut of the next-gen race car, which will make its on-track debut in 2022. The, the next-gen coming into the sport should be a significant reset for the technology, uh, a significant reset for the, the way the processes flow, uh, and, and some of those things that uh, we would need to overcome. So I, I think kind of taking that uh, down the course of NASCAR leadership uh, and some of the things they have going on, uh, a lot of confidence in where the sport's heading. I think we're on a big upswing. And uh, I kind of feel like I'm buying into a stock as it's about to go up uh, with looking at the landscape. Kislowski will drive the number six car beginning next year. The same car Ryan Newman has been driving the last three seasons. Roush Fenway Racing team president Steve Newmark says Newman's future with the team is still to be determined. You know, I've talked to Ryan regularly as recently as yesterday, and you know, we've talked to him about whether he'd be interested in a part-time role with us, kind of what he wants to do next year, and I think it's, it's fair to say that he's still trying to make that decision on what's his best path and what his best course is, and so I don't think he has a timeline on deciding you know, when he's going to kind of solidify his plans for 2022. For more on this story and all the headlines throughout the world of NASCAR, visit MRN.com. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll visit with Tyler Reddick, and later we'll hear from some drivers about their off-time plans. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Tyler Reddick is having a great run in the NASCAR Cup Series, and he had a great run at New Hampshire over the weekend, and that puts him in a fighting position for the playoffs. Dave Moody had a chance to catch up with the Richard Childress Racing driver. Well, a 13th place finish at New Hampshire Motor Speedway on Sunday. I'm interested in your take. 13th's not a bad day, but you ran a heck of a lot better than that for much of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Um, we. It, it's been really nice to see how far we've come and, you know, reflect reflecting a little bit here, you know, how far we've come and, you know, a year and a half's time, uh, we've been just doing a lot of things right. And what's frustrating is, uh, you know, on days like, like New Hampshire, you know, we have a car that I think with some, some small adjustments, we can take it from being that, that top five car to, to breaking through and, and, and being able to make some risky decisions and, and calls like, like the same was able to do, but it's, it's all about executing throughout the whole day. And, um, again, you know, just, Everyone talks about it. I knew it going in. You know, this is one of the slickest, slickest, most slick, goodness gracious, 
pit roads yeah. that we have uh, on the schedule, entering the box and exiting. And uh, what did I do? I, you know, I turned in late, missed my mark getting in, slid through the box and went from sixth or seventh to 13th. And that kind of forego or, or, you know, shoved our, our chance to adjust on our race car off to the side. And from there it became a, um, get quick, get quick pit stops, try and get the track position on restarts and then manage the car on the, on the longer run. And so, uh, between that and kind of going for it with the two tire call at the end of the race there, um, you know, and pretty much racing into almost complete darkness. Um, you know, we just, we didn't think the race was going to go that long. Um, so, you know, it just didn't work out in our favor, but I mean, these are the things you kind of have to do when you, when you have that mistake in a, in a day at a, at a race that's like New Hampshire where, you make a mistake, it's hard to recover from it. On the list of things that we've learned about you in the last two, three, four years since making it to the upper levels of NASCAR, you're about as hard on yourself as anybody in the sport. Maybe you're right up there even with Chase Elliott. Just a, a tiny little thing that most people would brush off. It seems like you really take it to heart. Has it always been that way with you? Have you always had held yourself to such a very high standard of performance? I think so. Um, but I mean, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest variable in, in, in racing is the driver, I think, or, or the car, the driver holding the wheel, you know, we have crew chiefs and pit crews and, you know, yeah, we're all variables, right. And we all try to be as perfect as we can, but, uh, you know, lap after lap, second after second, the driver in the car is, is, you know, you know, the constant variable involved in all of it, you know? Um, and so when I, when I make those mistakes, yeah, I, um, there's no need to shy away from it. When you screw something up, if, if you lie to yourself and blame it on somebody else, you're not learning. Not only are you not learning, but now you're putting somebody else down to, to lift, try and lift yourself back up a little bit. So it's pointless. It's a waste of time and effort. Yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't go so crazy hard on myself from time to time. It can be a little unhealthy, I'm sure. But it's who I am. It's, it's how I've always done it. And uh, it's motivated the crap out of me to get better and, um, you know, yeah, if I'm a little bit in a bad mood from time to time, I'm, I'm sorry to everyone around me, but you know, I just, <laughs> I, when I mess up, I, I can't, I can't live with it, you know, and that's what, that's what drives me to get better. A lot of talk about the way the race started on Sunday, uh, started in the damp, I, I guess would be the right way to put it. How quickly it did it go? <laughs> yeah. How, how quickly did it go from okay to, uh Oh, not okay. Well, once, once we kind of got racing again on, uh, after the rain delay, it was very obvious, uh, that one and two was never really okay, uh, at all from the moment we took the green. Uh, I didn't realize that again until we, we took to the track, you know, an hour or so later because one and two just had a completely different look than it did when we rolled out to the, onto the racetrack for the very first time. Um, so you know, when you take off and you're running your first lap to the race, you know, you're just kind of running to the grip of the track. So for us, like we just thought, you know, all right, well, this is just kind of the grip we have in one and two. And then after seeing what had happened and then refiring back off, um, you know, wow. Yeah. One and two was never really there. Three and four was okay. Um, and had a lot of grip. You could kind of go wherever, but one and two was, um, yeah, it was, it was in rough shape and, you know, just, just the lap, one lap too late, but you know, when you have, when you're dealing with weather, we, we've seen what happens. We, we can, I've seen it my, myself. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, you know, 
weather just, it just does things we can't control sometimes. Um, and we've, I, we, we, the last week at Atlanta, Dave, um, we ran, I don't know, 30 laps in a mist and we we're mm-hmm. fine. It, the bottom could have dropped out at any moment and the whole field could have crashed, but, but it didn't, you know? Um, but it, but in New Hampshire, you know, it was kind of misting kind of like, ah, you know, it's not going to do anything. And all of a sudden, you know, at a flat track like that, it don't take much and the grip's gone. And, and you see two of the guys that potentially could have won the race, um, on, on Sunday out and it opens, opens the door up for, for, for a lot of crazy things. And it sure did. Eric Almarola coming in 27th in points and then winning the race to say the least shuffled the playoff deck substantially worst case scenario, probably for both you and for your teammate, Austin Dillon. Yeah. For RCR, for sure. Now you're battling for the 16th and final playoff spot. You're up on Austin by five points with four regular season races to go. I did the math this morning. If Eric, if Eric doesn't win that race, Austin is in by 116 points. Eric wins the race. He's now out by five. I, I can't even imagine how you guys are going to approach the next four weeks. It's going to be an interesting, um, we're going to have to have an interesting approach for sure. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine um, here in, in a short while in our, our debrief from Loudon, um, you know, I, I, I would imagine we'll kind of open that door and start to at least strategize that. Um, but it's going to become, you know, at some point here between now and, you know, Watkins Glen or, or the week after it's, it's going to get more interesting because we are teammates, right. But we are going for essentially at the moment, you know, we're, we're trying to compete for, for one spot. So the approach is going to be interesting. Um, I, I don't know what our, our game plan is going to be yet. Harvick had a, had a good enough day to kind of separate himself out there to where, you know, we got some 550 tracks coming up. Uh, well, one, I guess, at Michigan, but that's been a good track for him. So he's gotten just far enough away where, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be pretty difficult for both of us to, to run him down in points. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what that means for for us you know i think i think for for the three team i think going after stage points of the road courses is is a good way to go about it you know i'm not them they might have a different idea i think for us we got to go after race wins so maybe we can kind of work together there by having different goals you know what i mean both trying to you know one going for the stage points and pointing trying to get themselves in the better position points wise and maybe the other tries to go and, and win the race i don't i don't know so it's definitely an interesting situation. Um, not ideal for RCR because we, you know, we've been not just myself and the three, um, but you know, the 99, the 43, we've all been working together all year long um, and really been doing a good job making our cars better. So, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an interesting time. I'm assuming after this week's competition meeting is in the books, you're a man of leisure for the next couple of weeks. You got any plans no. or is that the whole point? <laughs> no, I, I'll try, but I probably won't. I'll probably um, m- maybe in some little spurts of a day or two at a time get, you know, do something like that. But uh, yeah, uh, with, with how yesterday play out, played out, um, you know, going into that race, I was kind of excited to take a little bit of time off and I don't know what I was going to do. Um, Alexa had something something planned, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
I, I feel like wherever we go, the second we get there, when we get back, I got to get back. We got to get back to work. That's how I'm going to probably be. So sorry to her in advance. But yeah, these two weeks are going to, I hope they fly by, but I feel like they're going to crawl right by as bad as that sounds. Cause um, I want to, I want to be back at the racetrack this weekend. I want to be, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm glad we're not, I guess, cause we get plenty of time to prepare for the road courses. A lot of time to work on our cars or do what we've brought to the track, look at what we liked and, and debate what we haven't. Um, so we'll have plenty of time to really bring together two good road course cars, get our Michigan car really nice and uh, get our, uh, our last bull in the gun if we need it, ready for, for Daytona and ready for absolute chaos. Thank you, Dave. Coming up, off-week plans for the drivers and later a history of Chip Ganassi racing in NASCAR. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Whelan would like to congratulate Eric Almarola and his number 10 Stuart Haas Racing Pit Crew for the win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. They are the Whelan Pit Crew of the Week. Following the victory, Almarola commented on the gravity of the win for the race team and for the whole SHR organization. It's an organization, it's a team, and uh, that's how it's, you know, that's how it's built. And it feels good to, to win for our organization. There's a there's 370-something employees there. Um, you know, that, that put their heart and soul into building these race cars. And so it certainly feels good to, to bring home a banner for them. Wheelin Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. While the Tokyo Olympics take place, NASCAR is going to go on a two-week vacation. This gives drivers some rare off time during the summer. And we've got drivers talking about how they plan to spend their free time. After going nonstop since the green flag flew back in February at the Daytona 500, NASCAR comes to a halt for two weeks as the Tokyo Olympics take center stage on NBC. Lots of drivers are taking some family time and vacations, while others are continuing to do what they love, race. Kyle Larson is doing a little bit of both. I mean, it almost works out to be about three weeks off, so... Uh, and, it, and it's cool. It works out. You know, the first weekend off is my wife's birthday. So we're around the Bahamas. Um, and then the next week's my birthday. So I'm going to go race. Um, so I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going I'm to race uh, late model that weekend and then head straight from there down to, to Rosemary Beach in Florida. And I think it's Florida and uh, spend some more time down there before going to uh, Watkins Glen. So um Really looking forward to it. I think it, you know, the the off weeks kind of fall to right time for me needing a break um, with all the racing I've been doing and traveling and stuff. You know, I'm ready to kind of dig my toes in this band and, and relax and leave my phone off and not check the internet or anything and just kind of get away. So uh, you know, kind of recharge my batteries and get ready for you know, the end of the regular season in Cup and also you know get ready for for the playoff start. Camping World Truck Series driver Austin Hill is on the relaxing time off wavelength. You know, I'll still be in the gym working out at Toyota, 
Um, I'm going to actually be going to the uh, Toyota Sim tomorrow, do some Sim stuff to get ready for Watkins Glen and, and maybe do a little bit of Gateway stuff. So, um, you know, I'm still going to be doing all those things. Um, also going to take a, a week long uh, vacation here in about a week with the family, uh, with the wife and two kids. So uh, that'll be good to just kind of go down to Myrtle Beach, Myrtle's Inlet area and just kind of relax a little bit and spend some time with the family and um, you know, just kind of reset and get ready for the playoffs. Because once the playoffs starts, it's going to be each and every day and each and every week. You're just trying to do everything you can to be that much better, um, you know, in the race car and, and just trying to find that little edge over your competitors. So uh, when the playoffs start, it's going to be all all game time then. So um, it, it'll be good to have these couple weeks off to just kind of relax a little. Brad Keselowski's family had plans of their own that Brad may or may not have stopped in its tracks. Uh, well, we tried to go to the beach, but everything was too expensive. So um, as I keep telling my wife, we're on a budget here and uh, probably not the wisest thing for me to say, but I did say it. Uh, so we'll probably load up and go to the mountains or something like that. You know, really one of our favorite spots to go to. So. I imagine we'll make a little trip through there somewhere. Ryan Priest will be racing during his time off. Different cars and tracks, but still racing. I'm not getting away from that. I'm, I'm jumping in head first. Um, so I'm actually planning on, on running some open show modified races they have up in the Northeast on the first week off. Uh, and then I believe Thompson and Stafford both have open show races the following week, and I will at least I intend on going to Bowman Gray on the 31st to, to run the modified race for the Twin 25s. We'll see. There's a lot of work to be done, um, but lucky enough, we, Eddie, the guy, the guy, you know, Eddie and Connie Partridge, who I've driven for in the modifieds for six years now, uh, we have somebody in the shop full time that allows moments like this to, to be possible. Xfinity Series driver Noah Gregson is racing as well. Kind of. Yeah, we're going up to Sun Valley. I've never been there before. I, I grew up um, going and doing mountain bike. Like I grew up mountain biking as a kid. Um, been up to Whistler, Canada uh, for downhill mountain biking. Um, Park City, Utah, um, and, and some other places in Utah for some downhill mountain biking. That's what I. That's what I truly love. People ask me all the time, "What would you do if you weren't racing?" And I'd probably be. Um, or attempt to be a professional downhill mountain biker. Um, I, I like hitting big jumps, and um, obviously that's kind of changed since now I have a job, and there's there's a lot of people who rely on me to be uh, safe and healthy, and so um, I can't quite, you know, let it all hang out as much as I'd like to, but uh, I can still go have fun. So um, just that's where I feel most relaxed and happy is um, on the seat of a mountain bike, just sending off big jumps. It won't surprise anyone that Matt DiBenedetto is doing something completely different than everyone and doesn't sound like a vacation. So we, speaking of this vacuum cleaner, are in that two weeks off going to be moving to our new house. So our house is, looks like a little bit of a hurricane blew through it in part. So we're uh, super, super excited about that. So we've been uh, working on that. Uh, the house built for about a year best time ever to be sponsored by Menards, I'll tell you that, <laughs> but it's all been uh, super good. So that's really the, the big plans, and we've got family coming into town at the same time, so it'll be a pretty crazy couple off weeks. We hope everyone in NASCAR gets some much-needed rest and relaxation, not just drivers, but the teams and all the folks who get the sport from track to track. 
Coming up, we'll look at Chip Ganassi Racing's history in NASCAR over the past 20 years. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. So glad you've joined us. It came as a bit of a shock when a few weeks ago, Trackhouse Entertainment announced they were buying Chip Ganassi Racing's NASCAR operations. Chip Ganassi Racing has been involved in NASCAR for 20 years, and we wanted to pause and go back and relive everything the organization has accomplished in the sport. Kurt Becker, take it away. But we're here to announce that uh, Trackhouse Entertainment Group and Trackhouse Racing has purchased the NASCAR operation of Chip Ganassi Racing. Trackhouse has acquired all of the NASCAR assets of, of Ganassi Racing, including all the equipment and its two charters. When Trackhouse Racing announced it was acquiring the NASCAR division of Chip Ganassi Racing at the conclusion of the 2021 season, it signaled the end of an era in NASCAR. For 20 years, Chip Ganassi has been a staple in the sport, putting prominent names behind the steering wheel and furthering the careers of many drivers. Of course, Chip Ganassi's name was already well-known in other forms of motorsport by the time he reached NASCAR in 2001. He had won an Indianapolis 500 in the year 2000 with Juan Pablo Montoya, as well as several championships in IndyCar. Ganassi bought an 80% ownership stake in 2001 of Felix Sabatis' race team, Team Sabco, to mark his entry into NASCAR. The team was renamed Chip Ganassi Racing with Felix Sabatis and switched from Chevrolet to Dodge. The organization found success that season with Sterling Marlin driving the number 40 Coors Light car, earning Ganassi's first win in the sport. If this race should be a red flag here and this racetrack is getting very wet and it's all over, or if we continue either way, they've had a good day. They yes, really have. certainly so. This will be the uh, career best finish for Ricky Craven and the career best finish for PPI Motorsports. We're now getting the word from NASCAR. The checkered flag is about to be displayed. When the field works back around to the start-finish line, it'll come out on lap 162. And Sterling Marlin picks up his first win since 1996. Dodge picks up their first win since 1977. It came here today at the Michigan International Speedway. Last time a Dodge went run at this particular track was 75. Richard Petty did it on that day. And today, Sterling Marlin is going to roll into victory lane with the Dodge Intrepid for the first time this year. It means a whole lot. I, you know, I don't know. I felt in my heart I could still drive a race car as good as anybody and just needed to. Uh, you know, we need stuff to do it, and, uh, you know, Dodge come along, and Coors Light come back with us, and, and uh, you know, Chip and Felix really put their heads together and hired some great people, and uh, it's all worked out, and, uh, you know, I felt like with Chip buying in and, and Dodge come in and give us resources and stuff we need that, that uh, we can get back on top again, and uh, it's been that way since, uh, you know, Daytona 500. We've run good every week. We've had a couple miscues and, and shot ourselves foot a couple times, but uh, other than that, uh, we've had a a top five, top ten car about every week. In 2002, CGR welcomed Jamie McMurray to the team, scoring a win at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Other drivers would also see seat time, including Casey Mears, Scott Pruitt, Jimmy Spencer, Reed Sorensen, and David Strimming. Juan Pablo Montoya made the jump to NASCAR full-time in 2007, joining Chip Ganassi as the driver of the number 42 Texaco Havilland car. Man, this is a big deal, and I'll tell you, the Texaco Havilland Dutch and everybody at Chip Ganassi, you know, the body shop, the engine shop, and everybody's been working on this program. They've done an amazing job for us. 
looking forward to this. You know, this is a cool show to be in part. No doubt about it. Restrictor Plate Daytona Racing is like nothing in the world. What kind of things did you have you learned this week as you get out there in these big packs of cars? Keep the car in one piece. It's all you can do. You know, it's, you know, you gotta be careful. Pick your friends and and you know stick to them. I think if you do that, you'll be fine. It did not take him long to find Victory Lane, winning at Sonoma. In 2009, Ganassi partnered with Dale Earnhardt Incorporated owner Teresa Earnhardt to merge the two teams. The new team, Earnhardt Ganassi Racing with Felix Sabatis, ran Chevrolet equipment and got a memorable win at the World Center of Racing with Jamie McMurray in 2010. Side by side for the lead and the win of the Daytona 500. Jamie McMurray in the outside line. He'll reach out front and grab the lead. Now they're, they're banging off one another. Dale Earnhardt Jr. to second and looking for more in three. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has cleared all the traffic. He's got his sights set on just one car. They're crashing further back in the field. McMurray off turn four for the final time. Jamie McMurray sees Dale Earnhardt Jr. behind, coming down to the line to decide the Daytona 500. McMurray will get it. His first time out with Earnhardt Ganassi Racing. He will win the 52nd running of the Daytona 500. It's like the biggest weasel because I'm sitting here crying, but this is uh, this is every kid's dream to, to be able to win the Daytona 500. So it's very special and, and uh, got a great team here and certainly uh, Johnny Morris from Bass Pro Shops and Chip and Felix, they all took a chance on me. <clears throat> you know, I was out without a job last year. And I think for those guys to give me this opportunity, it just uh, it means a lot. And, and what a better way to pay them back. Uh, let's get over here and get a comment from the owner, Chip Ganassi. What does it feel like Daytona 500 win? You've won up at Indy, now to win here at Daytona. I'll tell you, Winston, I want to thank all the fans for hanging in there all night with us. I want to thank Jamie. I want to thank Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shops, my partner Felix. My partner, Teresa, all the, all the guys on all the Target team, the Bass Pro Shop team, everybody. I'll tell you, it's, it's a fabulous night. 2010 continued to be a big year for Ganassi as Dario Franchitti won the Indianapolis 500 that May, making Ganassi the first owner to win both the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500 in the same year. Jamie McMurray would add the Brickyard 400 that same season, making Ganassi the first owner to win the Triple Crown of American Auto Racing. Later that season, McMurray won at Charlotte, just hours before Franchitti's win in the IndyCar finale at Homestead to clinch the team's eighth IndyCar Series title. All told, it was two titles, victories at Daytona and Indianapolis, and a total of 19 wins across IndyCar, NASCAR, and sports car competition in 2010, making it Chip Ganassi's most successful season. Coming up, more of the history of Chip Ganassi Racing. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Let's jump right back into the history of Chip Ganassi Racing and what they've built in NASCAR. Kurt Becker? In 2014, Ganassi dropped the Earnhardt name and went forward as Chip Ganassi Racing. This would be the season that Kyle Larson would get the call and make his debut in the NASCAR Cup Series. And at Michigan in 2016, Larson scored his first win. Turn number four, and he sees the white flag. The Credit One Bank, one to go. Kyle Larson, two miles from his first career win. He's back in turn one. Four more corners for the target Chevrolet. It's been a long time coming, but this one is going to be oh so sweet. 
final time off turn number two, Kyle Larson on his way. One half of a lap to get it done. One mile is all that remains for Kyle Larson. Back to turn three for the last time. Again, perfectly in the middle of turns three and four. Kyle Larson back on the throttle looking for checkers. The wait is over for Kyle Larson. Here he comes off turn number four, and Kyle Larson is a NASCAR Sprint Cup Series winner. He gets the win at the Michigan International Speedway, the first of his career. Chase Elliott comes home second. Brad Keselowski comes home third followed by Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick. What does it feel like now to know that you're in the chase this year? Feels good. I didn't think uh, I didn't think after our luck we've had the last couple weeks we'd be in. So um, feels good. Uh, we have a really good team and we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be tough to beat in the chase. Those are all pretty much all my good tracks aside from Bristol are in the chase. So looking forward to it. I lost count, but what does it mean to all those competitors that came by to congratulate you? It means a lot. It, it really does. Uh, you know, I've been closed a lot, and you know, I think they they see how hard we've worked as a team, and um, you know, for them to come up and congratulate us, it, it's pretty special. There probably were eight or ten different ones that came by. I'm going to see if I can slip by here real quick and get a quick comment from Chip Ganassi after 99 starts for Kyle Larson. He's in victory lane. Chip, you've had a lot of big wins in your career in all kind of divisions. Put this one in perspective. Well, you know, Winston, it's been a lot of years. We've had a lot of success over time here at Michigan. Not, and, you know, this was the site of Sterling Marlin's uh, first win for Dodge. That was a big one for us, and uh, great to be back here. The fans are great up here in Michigan. Great, great to be next to Detroit with all of our, 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 our partners over there with Chevrolet and our partners in other series with Ford and sports cars. We're, we're just happy to be here in Michigan. This is a big, big win for the team, I can tell you. The win at Michigan marked the first under the banner of Chip Ganassi Racing since Juan Pablo Montoya had won at Sonoma some nine years earlier. And 2017 would be Larson's most successful at CGR, earning four victories. Veteran Kurt Busch joined Chip Ganassi Racing in 2019, earning a win at Kentucky. He has provided Ganassi with a win every year he's been with the team, most recently taking the checkers at Atlanta as part of the current campaign. Ganassi added another veteran in Jimmy Johnson to his roster of drivers in 2021 as the seven-time cup champion is running under the CGR banner in IndyCar, focusing on street course and road course events. In June, Trackhouse Entertainment Group, through its Trackhouse Racing Division, announced it had bought Chip Ganassi Racing and would be obtaining all CGR assets, including the team's two Cup Series charters at the end of the 2021 season. It was a move hardly anyone expected, and even Ganassi himself emphasized that the team had not been for sale until Justin Marks picked up the phone and gave him a call. Justin simply came to me with a great offer and even a better vision for, for racing. You know, there's a lot of new blood in NASCAR, as you've heard or read of recent. People like Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, the Spire people, Colleague Racing, a lot, of, a lot of new blood. And they all seem to be bringing a new perspective and more importantly, a new vision. And the, the sport, I think, needs people with vision and uh, today. NASCAR continues to build on its successes and by most accounts continues to grow. There's much to be excited about, I think, if you're involved in NASCAR. Justin Marks of Trackhouse Racing said it's a full circle moment as he drove at one time for Ganassi in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, including a win at Mid-Ohio. 
He knows the legacy he has to live up to. Pressure can also be thought of as opportunity. And I think that's kind of that's kind of how, how I view it personally. I mean, there's there is a legacy there, and and but that's a tremendous opportunity for Trackhouse. I mean, that's a tremendous opportunity for the future. And so I, I welcome I welcome that pressure. I welcome those expectations. We're in the business of, of putting great people together to, and letting them do their jobs to achieve great things. That's not going to change. So I think at any point in you know when you get to this level of this business. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of pr pressure involved in anything that, that you do, but you have to be willing to look yourself in the mirror and, and charge full head into that, and we at Trackhouse are. Even though Chip Ganassi Racing will no longer exist in NASCAR, Ganassi still has plenty of racing ventures to keep him busy, as Chip stated himself. I'm not leaving motor racing, you know, I'm just, uh, I, you know, instead of, being a, instead of being in a NASCAR race, I'll be at a sports car race or an IndyCar race or an Extreme E race or something. I'm still in racing. Thank you, Kurt. Fantastic job, my friend. Coming up, Rudy Fugel, and later this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Rudy Fugel has had a great season as crew chief for William Byron at Hendrick Motorsports, almost picking up right where they left off. He talked with Steve Post about everything going on at HMS. Uh, your Kyle Busch time was incredible. 28 wins. You remain second on the all-time win list with the Truck Series. Multiple championships, owner's championships, driver's championships. But along the way, I think it was 2016, um, I, I read a story that it was like a, um, a, a date night. And I know it's not a date night, but you and a young kid by the name of William Byron went to a Buffalo Wild Wings to get acquainted. He was potentially going to be your next driver. What are some of the things that you recall about that first dinner meeting with William Byron? Yeah, so it was um, it was the winter of 2015, getting ready for 2016. Uh, we knew William was gonna be one of our drivers full-time and we knew Christopher Bell was gonna be one of our full-time drivers. Christopher had been in our system for about a year running late, super late models, uh, maybe a little, a little over a year. And then, uh, and Jerry Baxter was running a team and I was running a team and we were both very successful. And Kyle said, you guys go out to dinner with these guys and figure out who your crew chief and just like that. He said, I'm not picking, you guys go figure it out. So anyways, um, we, Jerry went out and talked to Christopher. I don't know what they did or where they went. And I said, William, where do you like to eat? You know, and he, I, did, I didn't know at that time, but he likes chicken tenders. So we go to Buffalo Wild Wings and we sit and we just, and I was like, all right, what do you know about racing? What's your experience? And just started to learn about them, you know, a little bit. And, and I was amazed uh, right then and there, he, he recalled races from three to four years in the past in the truck series. So William was at that time, wasn't just turned 18. So he would have been 14, but he knew, Hey, the, the pass or the caution that came out on lap 120 at Kansas in 2012. Why did you do this? And I'm like, okay. So that was, that was a wake up call that, you know, it's like, okay, this kid really studies, he knows his stuff and, and he may not have the experience, but if he works this hard, then we can, we can do anything, you know? So, um, and, and that's kind of how we just all aligned, you know, and I already knew Christopher, but Jerry and them had a little um, history together. So it all worked out and we went our ways and off we went racing. 
the acclamation to Hendrick Motorsports, I can't imagine as as and KBM Kyle Bush, a fantastic truck series team. This is not a this is this this is they are top shelf with where they're at. But walking into Hendrick Motorsports, the complex, the campus, uh, you've got guys like Alan Gustafson, Cliff Daniel, Greg Irwin, you got Chad Knauss, who you're actually replacing atop the pit box. What was that acclimation period like with the team and with the individuals you worked alongside over there? Yeah, it was definitely intimidating. You know, the first time you drive in and and it, it's not a building, um, it's not two buildings, it's a campus. Like you said, there's, I think, you know, officially, I think there's 16 buildings, you know, we're not using all of them, but officially there's like 16 buildings. There's this huge pond, there's walking trails, there's, it, it's it's amazing. You know, there's an Exalta building that um, they paint cars in and they do a bunch of sponsor activation. It, it's a beautiful building. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an absolute college campus or however you want to describe it. It's amazing. You know, so you pull in the gate and it's, and your jaw drops and, and, and that's intimidating. And then just meeting a lot of these guys for the first time. I knew some of them. I ended up knowing more people that work here than I thought I did. Um, but um, you know, that, that whole, how is this going to go? Is Alan going to be easy to talk to? Is he easy to approach? How's Chad to talk to? How's these, you know, and, and you just, um, you worry about those things, but after a few days, it was, it was pretty easy. You know, everybody is very inviting. Everybody wants to see you succeed. Um, everybody is a huge team aspect, you know, and you, you always worry about that is like, okay, is it four teams or is it one team? And, and this is definitely one race team, you know, and, and we're all happy for each other. We all work together and, uh, it, it's, it's an awesome place and it's helped me get up to speed quicker and it, it's fun to come to work. You mentioned getting up to sque- uh, up to speed quicker, getting a win at Homestead. I know you wish you had a few more, but how important was it? How nice was that to just check one off uh, real early third race of the season? Yeah, no, it's awesome. We had we had a rough Daytona two week, two weeks there. Uh, sat on the outside pole really fast in the duel. Thought things were going to go easy. Wreck early in day five hundred. Um, the you know, start in the back at, at the road course and struggle um, with some different things there. And then to go to Homestead, start in the back and come through and just kind of, you know, do our thing like we know we could. It just gives me confidence that, okay, you, I guess maybe you do belong. You know, we got more work to do. We got to get better. But but you at least know how to do, to win a race in the Cup Series. So that was cool. Um, and, and then we got to, it gave a little bit of relief of pressure on winning so we could build our race team. And I feel like that's what we've done to this point for sure is, is we rolled off a ton of top 10s. At the tail for that top tens, we were getting a ton of top fives. And up until the last couple of weeks, we've been running in the top three or four um, for a consistent basis, you know. So we had a struggle in Atlanta. Um, we had we had a wreck that happened in Road America that took us out of contention. But up until then, we were, we were running up front and had really fast cars. And um, I think if we do that regularly, you're going to win more races. So um, that's what we're trying to learn how to do and, and keep a whole team. It takes a team to do that. It takes pit crew, driver. Uh, me making calls and, and us preparing cars. So uh, that's going going well. Getting back on the pit box at Daytona with William, um, was it like riding a bike? Was there a lot of familiarity? Was there difference in that? Um, the way, yeah, the, our communication just picked right back up where it was, you know. Yeah. So um, we were able to spend a lot of time this offseason and just just able to easily talk to each other. And that's, that's what's great. You know, any kind of relationship, when you have a problem, you want to be able to talk to the to the other person and, and be able to say exactly what you want to say without having to sugarcoat it or worry about if you're saying something wrong and and that's that's what we do easily you know and I think that's no matter thick or thin strong or you know winning or or finishing 
20th and struggling in Atlanta, we can get together, know we're all working on the same thing together and not blaming each other. So um, it, that part was like clockwork. Rudy, you talked about the conversation you and William had at TGI Fridays about does it fit you? Does it fit that balance of life? We are in a strange spot. In, we've been in a strange spot in NASCAR for the last couple of years, okay, with, the, with the, the, the coronavirus and everything else. We're in a strange spot now where there is a two-week Olympic summer break. How does that fit into the balancing family and home life with, uh, with the work life? You, you're you're going to get some time off during this time period to enjoy the family time? Yeah, no, definitely. That's um, kind of looking forward to it. You know, I'm really excited to get to Loudon and, and end our first half of the year on a uh, strong note, but also looking forward to getting a week off. So we're going to get the family and we're going to go on vacation for a week. So it's going to be good and spend some time and, and kind of um, just put things in perspective, you know, and kind of relax a little bit. Thank you, Posty. Coming up, it's time for this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live, but before we do, it's that time of the week again. It's time for This Week in NASCAR History with our Susie Armstrong. Thanks, Mike. 1986. Kenny Loggins was FM Stereo's top gun as Danger Zone went airborne on the charts. Adjudication in Navy radio man Jerry Whitworth's espionage trial comes to a close with a conviction for selling secrets to the Soviets. Images of the RMS Titanic surface after researchers discover the luxury liner's final resting place in the North Atlantic. And Tim Richmond submerged the field on the final lap at the Tricky Triangle, driving the number 25 Folgers Chevy to Victory Lane at Pocono Raceway. Amazing drive by Tim Richmond to be in contention at this stage, but Bodine on the inside has the advantage into three, and Bodine, they lean on each other. Contact is made. Bodine by a bumper. Richmond hangs tough on the outside. I wouldn't bet they'd get back to the start-finish line. They're door-to-door, and they touch again as they come out of turn number three. It is a dead heat down the line. Here comes Ricky Rudd drafting down to the inside, and Rudd will go for the win, but he'll miss it by a foot, and Richmond will win the race. At least that's the way we're going to call it from the tower. Rudd would finish second. 1997, the boy bands ruled pop radio with the Backstreet Boys topping the Formula Phenoms with the hit Quit Playing Games With My Heart. Brendan Fraser and sophisticated Eastern gorilla John Cleese had to watch out for that tree in the Sam Wiseman comedy, George of the Jungle. And Dale Jarrett was swinging around the turns at Pocono, holding off Jeff Gordon to win the Pennsylvania 500. Lap traffic ahead, but it shouldn't be a problem for Dale Jarrett as he slips to the inside of the racetrack, off turn three, and back to the checkered flag. He won back-to-back races in the month of March at Atlanta and Darlington. Now, in the month of July, it is Dale Jarrett who comes to the start-finish line, takes the checkered flag, and wins the Pennsylvania 500 by 2.9 seconds over Jeff Gordon. 2002, U.S. rapper Nelly turned up the wick in Nellyville with the chart-topping hip-hop romp hot in here. Lance Armstrong nabs the fourth of his dubious and disallowed wins in the 89th Tour de France. Tommy Lee Jones remembered what he forgot, then paired up with Will Smith for the alien hunting action pick, Men in Black 2. And Ward Burton was stalking his prey in the Bill Davis Caterpillar Dodge, begging his final career Cup Series victory in the New England 300 
at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. He won the season's biggest race, the opener of the Daytona 500. In New England, where his crew chief, Tommy Baldwin, hails from. Looking for win number two in 2002 in car number 22. After starting the season off with a win, the Daytona 500, Ward Burton finally, in the 19th race of the year, goes back to victory lane. He wins the New England 300. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. We appreciate it as always. We also like to thank Tyler Reddick and Rudy Fugel for joining us. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.